Welcome to the Ghost Rap Podcast. It's fast, it's fun, it's informative. This is your weekly dose of the news that matters on the markets with your host, the Finance Ghost. For more details on these stories and to make sure you get daily updates, visit ghostmail.co.za. The Ghost Rap Podcast is proudly brought to you by Mazars, a leading international audit, tax and advisory firm with a national footprint within South Africa. Nepi Rock Castle is generally seen as one of the better REITs on the local market. The exposure to Eastern Europe works well, as that's a high-growth region that has some structural inflation in it, much like South Africa. Local investors like this because it means the rental stream from countries like Poland tends to grow over time even if the RAND remains steady. Western European countries also have inflation now, but it's not the norm in those places and it's causing all kinds of other challenges for property funds. Anyway, in an operating update for the nine months to September, Nepi Rock Castle showed net operating income growth of 23%. Now that's huge, obviously, but you do need to read deeper because a chunk of that is from acquisitions. If we look at like-for-like like growth, it came in at 14%, which is still really strong. Footfall and average spend per visit were relatively equal contributors to that performance. The balance sheet is also in very good shape, with the loan-to-value at 32.9% and no debt maturing in 2023. Full-year earnings guidance is for growth of 12% in distributable earnings per share. There's interesting news at MultiChoice, with detailed results for the six months to September now available. The group-level numbers show how tough the forex environment is when operating in Africa. Group revenue grew just 4%, but pre-forex trading profit was up 10%, so MultiChoice has done a decent job with the stuff it can control. It's also worth noting that the premium subscriber base grew for the first time in many years. It's also certainly worth highlighting that the substantial investment in Showmax is included in that trading profit number, so they really have managed costs rather well everywhere else. But once you take into account the Forex challenges and the rest of the income statement, you have a drop in headline earnings of 5%. The place where you really get to see the Showmax investment coming through is the 40% drop in free cash flow. It's going to take a long time for Showmax to bear fruit, with trading losses rocketing from 279 million rand to 799 million rand. Despite revenue growing strongly, streaming businesses lose money for a long time while scaling, and that's not going to be easy for the multi-choice balance sheet. Prepare yourself for ongoing increases in your insurance premiums. I'm afraid that nothing is safe from inflation, and especially not short-term premiums. The significant issue faced by short-term insurers is that there's a lag effect. Your premium goes up once a year, but the costs of repairing cars and homes goes up throughout the year. So in a period of rising inflation, this hits the underwriting margin at companies like Suntum, even when premium growth might look good because of the increase put through at the beginning of the year. This is why Suntime's operating update for the nine months to September includes a decent net earned premium growth of 7%, but net underwriting margin below the target range of 5% to 10%. And of course, another major contributor there is just the significant loss events that we've seen in South Africa recently. So it's a bit of a double whammy. Suntime is focusing heavily on repricing its risk correctly, which can only mean upward pressure on insurance premiums. I know that's not what you want to hear right now for your personal finance, but at least you're forewarned. ShopRite is still posting incredible numbers with 55 consecutive months of market share gains. Just let that sink in in terms of what that means for the competition. Supermarkets RSA posted 13.3% growth in the first quarter of the year when inflation was 8.3%. So ShopRite is achieving substantial volumes growth at a time when competitors are seeing volumes go in the wrong direction. Although not dealing with quite the same period, 
An update for the 20 weeks to 12th November from Woolworths showed Woolworths food only growing turnover by 8.4% at a time when inflation was 9.4%. Now you can't directly compare the inflation number at Woolworths to the inflation at ShopRite because the updates cover different periods, but you can conclude that Woolworths food is suffering a drop in volumes and ShopRite is achieving astonishingly good growth and we've seen this now for a couple of periods. They both have their challenges though. ShopRite's headache is furniture, with sales up just 0.5%, but it's a small part of the group. Woolworths has a much bigger headache, with fashion, beauty and home growing turnover by a very sad 1.4%, which is way below what we've seen at competitors. The year-to-date share price performance is a gain of 9.5% for ShopRite and a dip of 1.4% for Woolworths. To make them both feel better though, pick and pay is down 59%. I'll end off with Richemont, with results for the six months to September reflecting a really weak performance in the Americas region. Group sales from continuing operations were up 6% as reported, or 12% in constant currency, but the Americas fell 4%. The market didn't like that. I'm also not at all convinced by the online direct-to-consumer strategy that will see Richemont combine its Ukes Net-A-Porter business with Farfetch. Both those companies have silly names and the strategies aren't much better, to be honest. I can understand buying shoes online, but I really can't understand buying a timepiece worth the price of a family car or often much more online. Surely the entire experience is based on the in-store knowledge and being able to see and touch it before buying. The really poor financial performance of these two online luxury businesses suggests that I'm not wrong. Combining two bad businesses doesn't magically create a good one. Perhaps time will prove otherwise, but with group operating profit down by 2% because of pressure on margins, I think it's more important for Richemont to be focusing on its core business right now, instead of what's happening in the world of online. And that's a wrap. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Ghost Rap podcast should be taken as advice. Please do your own research and visit ghostmail.co.za for more insights into the market.